You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs another thing too guys that's not all they have they also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021 they have stuff for that too like finishing more books or becoming a better parent leader or a person how-to books which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have Christopher Minori. Say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. And he's actually an independent author, writer, and I just want to say welcome to the show. Thank you for wanting to be on the show. I do appreciate you taking out your time out of your day to talk about your writing, where you got got some of the ideas that you had for some of the books, and just dive into some of this stuff. Um. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. So I um, <clears throat> I've been writing very long time, like pretty much as uh, since I can remember. And uh, I started with short stories, which any writers out there, really, that's where you should start is short stories. And um, I got a couple published. And so, you know, I, I started really getting into it. And then I tried to send out other stuff as I started to kind of find my style and grow and develop it. Um, I started getting a lot of <laughs> a lot of rejection notices <laughs> after that. Apparently, I got, you know, my my stuff's not for everybody, right? It's it's a very strange sense of humor, and I mix genres that, um, you know, in, in book publishing they wouldn't take really hard horror and or regular horror, and and then kind of mix it through with comedy, like the anthology I did. Um, so I, I just wasn't getting anybody to buy. And, you know, uh, self-publishing got to um, just got so great. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome where it's come. So a few years ago, I started pulling together all those short stories and rewrote them and um, went ahead and uh, started self-publishing. Oh, and I guess I, <laughs> I guess I left out. Um, one of the things I did before, uh, after I finished short stories and started moving on to novels, was uh, I wrote a play, uh, co-wrote a play um, with Corey Bidoff called the Texas Chainsaw Musical, and um, that uh, that really kind of took off in a uh, in a, a it's kind of a cult show now. 
Um, it got nominated, uh, not nominated, but named like a, one of the top uh, 10 shows by the uh, Plain Dealer. And so uh, that was nice because then, I, you know, like I mentioned, I, I'm writing all this weird crap. And so a lot of the people who knew me from the play just kind of started drifting over to uh, my books and stuff. And um, it's nice. I'm kind of, you know, I used to think, oh, I just want to be a full-time writer and make all my money from it. But uh, it's pretty cool being kind of a, a cult writer with just a real um, uh, great fan base, you know, just into yeah. your stuff, which is awesome. Very awesome. It definitely is. I mean, it's very rewarding to actually have a cult following. Uh, definitely pays to actually have a little bit of a fan base and everything, even though you're not that mm -hmm. well known with the big publishers. But still, it just you. It has a fulfillment inside of you, saying, "Hey, look, I I can actually do this without being with these big publishers and still have my fan base and still be able to enjoy what I'm right. doing." And that's more fulfilling than actually being with some someone that's actually big. So I definitely understand where you're yeah. coming from with that. Um, my other question is this, like I read a little bit of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre play that you did, mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually called Stealing Destiny, and my question is this, where did you get the concept and the idea for Stealing Destiny, the Texas Chainsaw Musical? And also too, I was wondering, what was, uh, do you have like any scores and stuff like that for the play or anything like that, or how was yeah, that? Yeah, 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 so two different things, Stealing Destiny is my latest novel. Um, Texas Chainsaw Musical is is the play that I okay. did, and uh, yeah, we actually we have um, uh, we we had a lot of success with this. We were we were really surprised Corey and I because we, we were just a bunch of guys screwing around, right? It took us like 10, 15 years to write it because we lived on on different sides of the country, and um, we were surprised it took off. And so we um, we went ahead and and got someone Corey wrote amazing beautiful songs and he did it all on a guitar and he he doesn't write music so we had to hire somebody to kind of um, score it for us um and then uh, music sheets i mean and uh um we did wind up getting together with one of the the theaters who performed it and uh, put out a studio soundtrack so the soundtrack is actually available on amazon or if you've got um you know, a lot of the, the music streaming services. I, I think it's on a lot of those. So, uh, okay. yeah, you should take a listen. It's pretty, pretty funny out there stuff. Okay. But, yeah, I have to say, I think your humor would actually work in, like, a dark horse co uh, comic book realm and stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. um, or image comics, somewhere around those lines, like yeah. with Spawn and things like that. I think that would be actually a perfect spot, sweet spot, to actually have something in that area. And everything because your humor actually works for for that i think but mm -hmm. you know my other thing is to, though too like where do you get your information and ideas for writing your books so um it really my um my brain just always has things flying around right and and i'm it drives my wife crazy it sounds cool it's not. It drives my wife crazy. I will be talking to her. She'll be saying something to me, and I will just drift off into a story idea. But I, <laughs> I look at her and I answer her with, "Oh no, absolutely right," and put stuff in her. And she, oh, she gets so angry because as soon as I I flip back from from the idea, I was thinking, I'm like, "Okay, I'm sorry, say that again," and so she gets a little ticked off. But yeah, I'm constantly thinking. You know, I'll see something and it just. Um, strikes up kind of a, a story idea. And then every now and then, uh, and I'll write those down, and every now and then I'll start thinking more and more about one, and pretty soon that one becomes uh, becomes a novel. Um, uh, the um, the Not this past book, this one got written really quickly, but the one before it, I had actually written uh, the first chapter. Um, well, even this last one, I, I wrote the first chapter a year ago, and then a year later, then I played video games for a year. And then I picked it back up. And I think I wrote the rest in, gosh, like four months, first draft. Oh, wow. Best writing I've ever done. I mean, you know, best, uh, the most writing I've ever done. I hope I can keep that pace up. That would be nice. That's pretty cool, though, that you managed to do that in like a four to six month time period after a year of gaming and everything and just be like, okay, I want to go back and focusing on my writing. I think I can actually pick up where I left off at. Or do you just go on ahead and say, hey, look, I'm going to throw away everything that I have and rewrite what I have and everything? Or how does that work? 
if once you actually focus back in on your writing? It's it's very rare that I I um that I toss something away, right? Uh, because if I've gotten to the stage where I'm actually starting to write it down, then um, then then I'm 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 on board, right? Uh, sometimes I go through it and I might uh, throw in the play. We had a, a major character, we cut it down to almost nothing, right? So I'll do that kind of stuff sometimes. But in general, if I'm actually writing it. And, you know, when I write, I write in the car and in the shower, right? I mean, that's, that's where I do. And, um, and th then I can just kind of let my mind run free, right? And you, you've seen, I've got some really weird ideas and stuff, right? right. And it just kind of comes together there because I'm not sitting there, you know, parsing my thoughts so I can get it all typed in. You know, I'm able to just kind of free will it and let it run. And then when I sit down to write, it just kind of comes out because I just have to flesh it out because I've kind of already written it. And so um, by the time I've gone to that stage where I'm constantly thinking of it and coming up with an idea, um, I'm, I'm in, right? I'm all in. So I, I don't want to influence. Yeah. Um, you know, you asked about some of the ideas. Um, some of my influences were like Twilight Zone. I think if you read um, Dirty Little Secrets, you really see that, right? There's twist endings all over the place there. And uh, um, uh, Douglas Adams, of course, and, you know, a lot of these guys genres and they, they kept it in the genre. They didn't make fun of it. Right. And Douglas Adams, he, his book is still sci-fi. It's just really funny. And so, um, Robert Asprin, uh, did the same thing. And, uh, those kind of guys, they, they really, um, uh, really influenced me for a lot of the styles of them. Woody Allen is another one. I know it's probably not okay to say, but <laughs> he used to be funny before I knew right. he was a pedophile. He was pretty great, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, goes to show that we don't know everybody like we thought. So, but yeah, it's too bad. Right. So. Well, my favorite movie is Zelig and it's hard to watch now. Right. And that's happening with so many of our, our celebs that we, Definitely. They kind of ruin their movies for anyway. I didn't mean to take this into a no. It's all it's perfectly, it's perfectly fine. But another thing though, too, I mean, I can actually understand because I'm always thinking of things constantly, especially with coming up with my own content, things like that. My mind is just constantly going, and I feel like if I don't tell somebody, my head is going to explode. So I have to let it out, you know. But it may be important right. to us, but to somebody else, it's like, yeah, okay, that that's nice. <laughs> You know, right, but, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, what, I totally understand where you're coming from. What, what um, I find um, as a as for um, for me as a writer, I um, you know I I have to write. You know, and I don't want to sound pompous because I know people say, uh, "Oh, I have to do this. I was born to do this." Right? But I have to write um, because these things have to come out. And so, kind of like what you said. Um, you know, when I wasn't publishing anything, because I don't like rejection, so a few rejection letters, and I gave up for a while, but I never stopped writing. You know, I, I kept doing it because it just has to come out. And I think with a lot of writers, it's it's that way, probably with a lot of musicians, right? They're writing songs, whether they're recording or not, right? And maybe just artists in general. Right. People paint whether their stuff's successful or not. I don't even know why I went into that. That's not a pompous. Can you, you cut that out, yeah. right? Nah, it's live. But no, I don't sound like, to be honest with you, live. it doesn't sound like that at all, to be honest with you, because I feel like this, if you're doing something and following that dream, every day you get closer to that goal. Yeah. So every day that you do something is getting you closer. And that's how, that's the way I feel. If you're putting in the work, if you're putting in the time and efforts that you have and you want to show those efforts and everything, you're doing what you want to do. And that's what matters the most. And yeah. to me, that doesn't to me that doesn't sound like being pomp pompous or anything like that. That just sounds like to me someone that's actually putting in the work, being passionate about what they do, and hoping to actually get a, a more fan base in return or something else. It does not to me that just seems um, more the line of being humble than anything. But that's just well, the way I see it. Doesn't sound pompous the way you said it. I should get you to write some of my get you to write some of my speeches, so I'll sound good too. Okay, all right, I'll be glad to. I'll do some motivational speaking. I don't mind. <laughs> so um, I don't believe so my wife the... or daughter would agree with you about the humble part. Oh. Not at all. Not no. At all. 
I can see them yeah. like, okay, that's that's full of BS. I could just see that now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. But I I do have another question though about scaling <laughs> destiny though. How would you describe yeah. the conflict of each character in that story? Sure. So, um, stealing destiny is uh, real quick. What it is, it's, it's part of a series, um, of novels, um, that, that actually started in, um, uh, dirty little secrets as a, a, a novella and a short story. And it's about this demon, um, who gets banished to earth for, for stealing souls from heaven. Right. But it's, it's a frame up job. And so he has to, um, he gets banished to earth and he winds up having to, to figure out who framed him. Right. And basically it's a, a detective novel really, you know, at its heart is what it is. And so that's kind of the concept stealing destiny, um, uh, takes him and his gang and they have to, the Satan, um, tasks them to, he hears of a plot to overthrow hell. And, um, so he hears, um, uh, he's got, he's got Sam and his gang, uh, to, um, to find out who it is, stop it. And at the same time, one of their gang gets kidnapped by people and they wind up having to travel around the world and break into heaven and all that good kind of stuff. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. It sounds like a little bit of fantasy mixed in with a little bit of detective novel and everything though, too. It also has a little bit of Lucifer in there as well, which is actually pretty cool. Um, yes. The- yeah. I'm, I saw, you know, I, I did catch uh, some of Lucifer, and oh my gosh, it was very cool. Except nobody ever grew, did it? In those characters, it never grew. It was the same story over and over and over again. Right, but I, I didn't see when they like, brought it back. So maybe. Right, that's another point that I want to bring up. Is I feel like once um, Netflix went on ahead and got the rights for it that's when those characters started to shine and build because it did feel like a repetitiveness to that show and everything. And that's actually how I felt watching it on CBS and everything. And plus it came out on at a bad time and everything too, where not that many people would actually be able to tune into it. So now putting it on Netflix was definitely the right choice to actually go with. So I feel like those characters are actually well more developed than what we got on the network itself. Right. Right. See, I never uh, saw it on Netflix because I, uh, lost my sister's login, so <laughs> I never got a chance to take one. <laughs> no more Netflix for me. It's, it's all on Tubi now. <laughs> okay. Um, there's something else that I was catching though. Like, how did you come up with the prologue for Surf Not Nazi for the Surf Nazi Must Die prologue? Okay, so <laughs> I, I like that you noticed that, right? Um, if you look at in this these banished demons, so little idiots, and then also this one stealing destiny. Each chapter is is named from a horror film, right? And, and where I could do like cult, got, just because okay. I'm a huge horror fan. I'm a huge film fan, right? Um, okay. And so I am a person who loves to throw little Easter eggs and and things in there um, that you know if somebody notices it, that's that's very cool. Um, and, and if not, that's okay too. You know, I don't get embarrassed cause I don't know what's supposed to be cool. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, it's just average. That's okay. Um, so surf Nazis must die, man. I'm a trauma fan, right? I'm an old guy and I am a trauma fan from way, way back. And if you haven't seen surf Nazis must die, it is friggin' hilarious. And the, the opening prologue of course is, uh, with Adolf Hitler. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, the last days of, uh, of, um, uh, world war two. And so that, that was the, the best title I could come up with or the best film title I found for doing something with Nazis, right? So That's actually pretty cool, though. I mean, it has like that 70s but 80s kind of flavor to it with those silly titles that right. we used to get. And yeah. I think I could just probably picture the uh, video, um, maybe the video box of right, Nazis right. on a beach with surfboards or something. So Yeah, that was the cover. Uh, I remember that cover. It was funny. <laughs> Trauma was awesome. Hmm. So another thing, though, too, is um, how would you describe your characters? And that doesn't even have to go with anything with uh, Stealing Destiny or anything like that. It's just in general. Like, how do you actually uh, describe your characters when you're making them? So um, that's a good question. 
when I when I write, I, I see. Um, I'm a huge film fan, like I said, huge TV buff, right? And so when, and um, I've tried writing a lot of different screenplays and stuff. And so when I write, I kind of see things as a, um, as you would on a movie, right? Um, That's how I kind of stage it and see it. And if you look at a lot of my reviews, they actually say, well, it reads like a movie. It goes so quick and stuff. Um, And so when I describe, I kind of try to, you know, in my head, film these scenes to kind of get them right. Sometimes. And I think this is with any, any recurring character, it takes a while to really build them. Right. So, um, you know, Sam, uh, I wrote him, well, I said my first story, I published at 10 and it was with Sam. It was a short, short story, uh, that's in dirty little secrets. And when it started, it was just this little comedy piece. And he was this courier for hell who goes to pick up souls. And it's just a silly little funny piece. And then when I did the novella and decided I want to kind of look at it more and I wanted to do a detective sort of a, a noir, you know, the um, maybe the old 40s, 30s and 40s detectives. And so that started really setting him up. But it, in Sam's case, if you look at him, it's just me. Right. I mean, I, I'm I'm really he's kind of me. Right. Um, a lot of the jokes he makes, he does a lot cooler stuff. Right. But he's he's um, he kind of is the glue that holds this entire nutty band together. Right. Um, if you look at, at like uh, for me, the hardest parts to describe or, or come up with characters is females. Right. I, I, I it's mm. taken me a long while to get some of them. And one of my main characters here is very uh, powerful female um, who who uh, is kind of Sam's apprentice. And she's a witch in training and. Uh, um, kind of has a mind of her own and very, you know, not just powerful magically, but also um, uh, as a person, right? And strong-willed and really a great character. I mean, she really is. But it took me a while to really learn kind of how to stop, or I hope I've done it, stop writing her, making her sound like a guy trying to write a, a woman's character, right? right? And more just like a, a female character, right? And hopefully you just read it and you don't think anything about it. It just sounds normally. And I guess that's when that's uh, when I got it. But yeah, I think uh, anybody who does these type of characters, it's it's a long development process. And as a reader, if you go in and start reading from front to finish, um, you even see it in sci-fi shows and stuff. You you kind of watch the characters develop, right? You, 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 you're actually watching the, the person writing them getting better is really what you're doing. Most definitely. And like, like you said, it is challenging for us guys to actually put ourselves in a mindset of a woman and try to write them to where they're not. Because here's the thing, back in the 90s and 80s and stuff like that, they used to be like the dazzle and distress. That used to be like the go-to thing. And then... Right, right. And stuff has changed over the years where women are strong individuals now. They have a way of speaking out now. They actually don't take no crap. They are tougher just as us guys are. So you actually have to try and write in the way of today's time rather than going into the way that used to be done. So I can understand how the complexity of that and how hard it could, how hard it is. Because like I said, we're guys. It's actually hard to get ourselves in the mindset of a woman and everything and try and write from their perspective. And if you're able to write from that perspective and everything, we're doing something right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause if you, um, you know, not only are you developing the characters, right. But again, if they're recurring characters um, and and really as a self publisher, if you're, you're trying to write the recurring characters is what you should do. Right. Come up with a good series. So uh, people get really into you. Right. But anyway, um, if, if you look at, um, uh, I mentioned, uh, a of the witch and, and Sam is her apprentice. And if you watch the relationship, you also see that grow as I was getting better at writing them and really getting to know the characters better. Right. Um, you start to see that grow too, because she starts kind of, she's an apprentice and, and now they're to a point where she, he's pretty much taught her all he can. And she's much more powerful than he ever was, although he won't let on. And uh, so, you know, learning to kind of develop and, and make it a natural change instead of suddenly you're, uh, you know, doing a Batman and Superman. Remember that where they're, they're fighting, they're fighting, and then all of a right. sudden Batman's like, oh, yours is Martha, mine's Martha. Oh, hey, okay, let's right. be on the same side. 
right? <laughs> right. You got to develop. That was not great development. No, it wasn't. It's a great, it's like, great example it kind of, of how of not to develop. <laughs> right. It kind of reminds me of Step Brothers, though, right? With Will Ferrell and John right. C. Riley. It's like, wait, you you have a bunk bed? Yeah, I have a bunk bed too. Really? Right. Okay. Did we just become best friends? Yeah. So, so that's actually, <laughs> right, exactly. that, I, I understand your whole, I understand. <laughs> and this is actually coming from a Batman fan and as well and everything and how I actually admit to that whole, that scene itself was poorly written. But yeah, I definitely, I, I do understand that. Now I do have a little bit of a fun question for you. Um, mm-hmm. As a writer, what would you choose as your mascot, an avatar or spirit animal? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. Here's my spirit animal. Yep, there you go. Hello Kitty. Let me tell you. Hello Kitty. This is no joke. I didn't put this here to to show you. I put it here because it's always here, right? Hello Kitty okay. is my muse. And the reason to that is is I'm a guy who I'm writing what I think is funny and I'm writing these characters and my um and I'm putting how I'm seeing them at the moment. Right. And my writing partner um, from the play, Corey, he's a guy who he wants to analyze everything. This is why it took 15 years. Right. He likes <laughs> to analyze everything and go, OK, but what's his dad like and his mom? You know, whether his dad or mom is not. In, and it's actually it really helped me do so. So I want to make sure it sound like I'm just shitting on it. But um, but this is what he would do. And so uh, I, he kept asking me to describe the, the serial killer, Eddie. And um, I just couldn't do it in in the way that that he was looking for and so he's like well you're an artist draw me what eddie looks like and so i drew him and i sent it to him and he's like there's no personality this is just a guy right there's no personality show me show me what he's all about and so i took the same picture and i just drew a hello kitty on his t-shirt and sent it back and he was like that's it right so <laughs> that's how hello kitty she's been here for me ever since we get each other hello kitty stuff all the time and i'm pretty sure he got me this one and, uh, cool. so that that's my spirit animal hello kitty okay uh nothing thing judge. though too <laughs> yeah, i'm not judging no judgment here <laughs> you know everybody has their quirks and everything else whenever it comes down right. to writing and things like that that's actually pretty cool that that's actually your muse so you know if there's nothing wrong with that if that brings out your writing and everything hey i i congratulate you on that um my other question well, my is stuff this. sucks. It's her fault. That's, that's, <laughs> it's important. So my question is this. Like, if mm-hmm. you're if it sucks, do you go on hand and get yourself another Hello Kitty and replace the one that you have on the table? Or do you go on hand and keep the one on the table? <laughs> well, I think the correct answer is I never write anything that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I write a or, lot of shit. How about this? So, uh, yeah, no, I blame her. You know, I'll, uh, I don't get rid of her, though. It's it's like your wife, right? I've been married 20 years. You piss each other off. You know, you want to sometimes switch them out, but if you don't in the long run, it works out best. So. Okay. Hey, if you have a long run and everything, go for it. Exactly. So, so let's see here. Another thing I actually was wondering about was like this. What are some common traps for aspiring writers? So this is great. I get to say my favorite phrase, right? I, I do editing as well um, sometimes, rarely, but I, I, I do it when I'm not writing. And the one thing I always tell my clients is that, um, you know, the, the great thing about self-publishing is that anybody can do it, right? Um, but the, the terrible thing about self-publishing is that anybody can do it. And that's the problem is that so many people, they just want to be published. They don't want to be a writer. They want to be a published writer, you know, uh, with the emphasis on being published. And it's glutted the market. They write, you know, uh, a, an 80-page book and then charge, you know, half of it pictures and then charge you know, $10, $11 for it or more, right? I, I mean, it's crazy. And instead of learning to write their cra- learn their craft, they just throw whatever they want. They don't get an editor, right? Terrible idea not to get an editor. Uh, even I have editors, you know, uh, even if you've been writing as long as I have, you, you need an editor. You're too close to your work. Right. And uh, people don't want to put the money in. You self-publish. You do have to put, it, it's fairly inexpensive, but you got to put some money in it. You know, you, you got to buy an editor. You need a really good cover, 
right? Th those are the two probably biggest costs. And then if you want, depending on what you want to do with marketing afterwards, right? And I, I just kind of like, I've been coasting on this cult thing, right? And I just, I just, um, with the people that I have in, in my various social media platforms, um, and, you know, every time I put a new book, I gain a few new readers and I'm happy with that. But, you know, uh, and that's all free marketing for me, right? If you can find right. some sucker which you get on and be interviewed on his podcast, right? That's uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> free advertising oh, yeah. baby <laughs> free advertising right, exactly. but uh so that's that's a big one right is they don't take the time um you know you gotta right. as a writer you have to find your voice right it takes you a long time to find your style it took me years and years to figure out oh this is how i'm supposed to write and they don't take the time to do that and they don't make no. sure it looks good they publish it and it looks like shit right and uh, you know you're professional or you want to be a professional that's the problem is they rush through it Right. The, 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 the process is important. The, um, uh, the, the take drafts, writing multiple, multiple drafts, right. And, and doing what a writer does, you know, it's, um, you know, if you want to be a computer repair man, right. You've got to go out and learn how to, exactly. to actually do that. And, uh, you want to be, um, you know, a composer or whatever, uh, or just, you know, play music. You've <laughs> got to learn those instruments, right? It right. sounds like crap. And it's the same thing with writing. Right. Right. Because with writing, with anything, really, like you mentioned, if you rush through it, your characters are not going to stand out on its own. The writing is just going to be bland. It's not yeah. going to have any type of feel to it, no type of emotion to it, to where people don't care. And not only that, but when you, and people can actually tell in literature though too, if those pages are not being expressed the way they're expressed, you're going to lose that reader within minutes and everything yeah. to the point where they actually put that, put it, put the pages down. And not only that, but if you're doing an orchestra, you're not going to just rush through uh, the orchestra. Does Hans Zimmer, for example, rush through his mm -hmm. scores and everything to, uh, does he? It's a, no, he actually oh, okay. he actually I, sounded like you knew the guy. I was just well, I'm just saying. Well, from his movie, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, just from the movies and everything else, from like the Christopher Nolan movies with Inception and things like that. He mm -hmm. takes his time. He critiques it. Yeah. He makes sure that it's actually perfect to where you can actually feel the emotion of the characters. And that's exactly what you need to actually feel coming off from the pages and everything. Otherwise, it's audio's book and they're going to pick up something else. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I, probably the biggest rule is don't uh, if you're going to listen to one thing, don't publish it until it's ready. Exactly. Right. And people don't want to do that, which is unfortunate. No. But it makes my stuff look better, but then it's a pile of shit. I got to swim through for people to find my stuff too, right? But still, it's always good to actually find a hidden gem behind all the other stuff. That is true. Like that while, yeah. while you're grinding. So that actually yeah. helps though too. Yeah. Um, now, my other thing is though too, you said that you published at an early age. So what mm -hmm. was it? Now, here's the thing. How did... Uh, publishing your first book changed your writing processing uh, processing with writing. So um, what it changed really was the process that I did to write, if that sounds weird, but not, not the creativity, not any of that, but the actual um, uh, setup, right. And formatting. And cause when you go to self-publish and, you know, I always, I always, uh, my books always go on, um, audio CD, Kindle and, and paperback. Right. So audio, that's something else, but with, with, uh, paperback and, um, and Kindle, you really, you're, you're formatting, um, up to a certain level because the formatting is the same for both, but then you have to kind of branch out, right? Because you do things on paperback that you wouldn't do in Kindle page numbers, right? You don't have page numbers on Kindle, um, on paperback. Not only do you have page numbers, I'll tell you, page numbers are the biggest pain in the ass. It's the thing I hate most about trying to publish a book. You would not believe how hard it is to set up page numbering correctly in a book, right? If you want to do it uh, professionally, but, um, so I had to start thinking ahead of to before I would just write it out, you know, and, and leave it at that. But I had to start thinking about what formats will I need for Kindle? What formats do I have that I can do on, on the front end instead of having to go to um, uh, catch up on it 
you know, afterwards. And then that's always, it's always harder to do it after the fact, right? That's what happened with my first, my first book. Um, and then after that, I learned and I, I um, adjusted. And each time it's, it's gotten a little bit easier. That's always a plus. Once you start getting a rhythm going, once you keep on writing and doing what you do, it just gets easier and things like yeah. that. And I know from experience, though, with what I'm doing and everything, too, I can relate to that. Because the more that I keep on doing what I'm doing and everything, the easier it gets. I remember pumping up my first episode, uh, my, my audio thing. I said, think of this as me talking about myself, talking to myself, because I don't have mm -hmm. an audience. So yeah. really, I was, for like three episodes, I was just talking to myself the whole entire time, right. hoping somebody would like it. So yeah. I definitely understand what you mean by hoping that someone would actually uh, find that gym in the gold mine to where people would actually love your stuff. So, you know, right, I definitely right. would say this. I, I do enjoy uh, your writing abilities and only that, but it does read out like a script. <laughs> it, it does read out Thanks. like a movie script and everything. That's something that I, I was wondering it. about because you're very welcome because here's the thing. I know it was a story, but the way the musical was actually presented, it was like, mm -hmm. okay, am I reading a novel or am I reading a musical? reading a screenplay right. and i really love the layout of that i, I actually mm -hmm. like that i like reading screenplays and i also reading like reading novels so to have it both yeah. combined like that was actually amazing so i just want to say i really enjoy that aspect yeah great yeah that um uh, that's that's fantastic that that gets mentioned a lot again if you go through my reviews you see them shades of dresden files or um which i've never actually read i saw the t-shirt uh, the tv show once or twice seems pretty good but um, uh, yeah, people say all the time that it's kind of like watching a, a movie um, play out for you, which is great because that's, I don't want them to say I was copying anything. <laughs> so right, yeah, exactly. that's how I write. I do that on purpose. I didn't steal that. Yeah, I totally did it. Like just relax. Yeah, what the hell? Like, yeah, I, I totally right? did that. Yeah. No, I do it that way. Get off my back, mom. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> but another thing though, too, that I was actually wondering about as well. Um, what was your early experience where you learned that language has power? Oh, um, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it's probably once I started hitting politics on the internet. <laughs> oh, what a war zone there, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess it was um, when when I, I uh, wrote that first story, right? Um, uh, final request it was, and it was in high school, uh, like I said, or no, I'm sorry, it was in uh, gosh, grade school. I don't know what ten is, um, but anyway, um, uh, and so in creative writing, I had to read. You know, we had to read our stories, and I read that. And while my, my uh, creative writing teacher was not happy, the rest of the, the kids were just like, wow, oh my gosh. And it was, um, it was just, uh, it was very cool, right? Like it was, I, I made these people and enjoy something, right? And I kind of took them away a little bit, or at least that's, that's kind of how I felt, right? Which I think it does, just like movies and stuff, right? I, I think that's powerful when you can take a person and drop them into your world, right? Mm -hmm. Man, that, that sounds better, yeah. Yeah, that sounds a lot better, <laughs> to yeah, be honest. It does. I was, I was meandering. You know, I, I shouldn't have done all that coke before this thing. I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> it's okay. You need some energy every once in a while, so why not? Right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, have you read anything that made you feel differently about uh, fiction? Um, I'll tell you, there, there's... A two things really um the first was uh a book by shane stevens it's called uh, by reason of insanity and it's a uh, it's about a serial killer um and it's oh my gosh it's so graphic right i mean it's crazy graphic and horror and underneath it all is an amazing story that draws you in. And so my mom when she decided it was time for me to start reading adult books had me read that one right? That was the one she, she threw on. And so, and I don't know if I often think back to that novel, I, I still read it a lot. And I think what that helped me to learn right at a very early age was, um, 
you know, not to hold back, right? To to not set any boundaries, and you know, and and I don't. I mean, I'll I'll obviously I I cut things out, and sometimes stuff doesn't work, and even for me, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's a little too far, right? But in general, I I don't. If I want to write something, I write it down, and um, uh, a lot of times, if you read some of the uh, the really hard story uh, horror stories, like in uh, Dirty Little Secrets, um, Pound of Flesh, man, that one is rough. Father's Day is another one that's really rough. Father's Day, my wife stopped talking to me for two days after I wrote that one. Right? <laughs> she was so angry at me <laughs> and so <laughs> upset, but I couldn't hold back. Right. I mean, that's what the story asked for. Don't don't be gratuitous. Right. Don't just do it to do it. But um, when it needs to be there, man, put it in there. Right. Right. Because you have to be not only do you have to be honest with your fans, but you also have to be honest with yourself, though, as well. You can't hold back on anything. (laughs) That's one of the things that Howard Stern was actually having problems with whenever he was first starting out was trying to Mm -hmm. be able to be honest with himself, but also be honest with his fans, though, too. So it was like one of those things where he had to push the limits. Otherwise, he's going to wind up losing himself into something that he's not. So. You know, I understand where you're coming from. It's like, I have to go ahead and present it in this way, or otherwise I'm going to lose myself in this thing to where I'm not honest with myself. If I'm not honest with myself, I'm not honest with my fans. If I'm not honest with my fans, the fans are going to actually pull away. And that's actually the big drawback of that and everything. I like the fact that you're honest with yourself and be like, look, I have to put myself out there. I have to put myself in this position to where I have to write something like this because right, of the fact right. that it falls for it because this character calls for something like that. Yeah, well, I tell you, I don't write for anybody but myself, right? I, I'm glad other people like the shit that I like, um, right. but I write for me. What I write is what I think is funny, which is why I'm a weird guy. Sometimes it goes into <laughs> tangents people don't get. Uh, in the play, you know, it takes place in the 70s, and it's all this horror and gore, and in the middle of it, I drop this old um, uh, Abbott and Costello bit, right? Sus- Susquehanna Hat Company, you remember that one? If yeah, not, yeah, go yeah. look it up. It's the best act ever. It's the best bit ever. But I threw that in it, and uh, nobody ever gets it. I had to actually write in the play notes, you do not remove this joke, right? Um, and, and and then one day, we got a guy in the audience had taken his kid, and he was, you know, he was probably in his 60s, 70s, like, how did you write something that I thought was funny? I heard, when that bit came up, I heard one solitary voice laughing, right? And I've nobody ever laughs at that joke because nobody thinks it's funny but me <laughs> so yeah i write for me so you know it, it's not really just being it's being honest about what i like to read you know it's right. a whole lot of the different stuff i read rewritten the way i would like to see it i guess the world rewritten oh that's a good title isn't it the world Ooh, rewritten write that down yeah. i like that you can take that i'll give you that one okay. good you got okay, that thank one. you okay yeah. all right thank you appreciate that um my other thing is, though, too, how long does it uh, take on average, does it take to write a book? So I tend to write, I tend to publish uh, one book every other year. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, right? And and really, the writing, is, the only fun part is the first draft, right? Because there you, you just, you just free ball it, man. You just do whatever you want and just write whatever. I don't self-edit during that first draft. I put some outlandish shit, uh, which you know how outlandish it is because I wind up pulling it, right? <laughs> but, um, uh, but then it starts going into, you know, draft two, draft three, then I get a, a beta reader group and then draft four and then an editor and then draft five. And so it's just, just the getting the book ready takes, takes forever and you can't rush it. And I work for a living too, right? Uh, well, I know, for a living, my boss thinks it's for a living. <laughs> I get paid for my job. I guess that's what I'm saying. But, um, you know, I, I, and I, I was raising a family through a lot of this, so I, I don't, I can't just write you know, constantly. So it takes a real long time for me. Um, and then, um, uh, then there's the process of formatting, right? And that takes, that takes quite a while. And then there's the, the three days of cursing out page numbering, right? Can't forget that. That's the worst part. Man. Um, I see people, you know, and they're publishing three, four, five books a year. And I'm just going to say, 
if your last name isn't King, every one of them is a piece of shit, right? I mean, they're, but you can't, but maybe I'm gatekeeping, I guess, right? But when it comes to a fiction, a good fiction novel, you cannot be, unless you do nothing but sit there and write, pumping out five good novels a year, you're rushing through the process, right? Yeah, so definitely. I I don't think um, every other year is bad, especially when you consider I spend about six months of that just playing video games, right? <laughs> playing right. hooky. So really, it's every year and a half if you take out the time I'm goofing off. But uh, I'm getting ready to retire in a couple of years. And then I'm, I'm very excited because then I'll, I'll just write full time and that'll be my job. And hopefully, uh, you know, I'd like to get to where I'm popping out a, a book a year, but I don't ever see it um, being faster than that. Right. And like you said, you have to take your time, critique it, make sure it's perfect. It's like cooking, yeah. doing with anything. You have to make sure that it's actually perfect and able to actually be a product to, that people would actually buy. And also, too, yeah. that you would actually feel proud of as well. Because, like you said, you write for yourself. So you want right. to actually do a good job for yourself as well. That's where the most yeah. important thing is. You know, I'm proud of what I put out. I work real hard to get it out. And so I want it to look professional and I want it to um, – entertain and and uh feed whatever emotion i wanted to feed and so um gotta take the time to do that just like anything else right definitely and this is what i want to say i love dirty little secrets i love the opening of dirty little awesome. secrets i know i, I know mm -hmm. i talked to you about it a little bit but not enough mm -hmm. to tell you what i loved about it but I love mm -hmm. the opening where you're actually dealing with a character that is a degenerate gambler who is down on his luck and he's having trouble paying back a loan shark and whose parents suffered with alcoholism. And my question was this, how did you get into the mindset of someone that's a degenerate gambler and also into alcoholism and focusing all that stuff and then including the loan shark and everything mm -hmm. too? Because everybody knows once you go to a loan shark and you don't pay that loan shark, he's going to be breaking some legs pretty soon or right, you're going to want right. to in the bottom of the ocean. But, right. you know, that, that was just something that I really, really loved about the mm -hmm. opening story. It's like, bam, it just hits you right off the bat right. with this character. <clears throat> right. So that, um, that was, well, I was drinking a lot at the time, right? <laughs> drinking a, a huge lot to start with, right? Go there. Um, but uh, that was one of the earlier stories I wrote. And... I don't remember how I started thinking about it. Um, uh, I guess, you know, uh, a lot of Stephen King is probably the, the him and Clive Barker, best short story writers ever around. And, and King's not as great as he once was, right? He didn't know when to stop, but he's an amazing, you know, amazing writer, incredibly prolific uh, and a little pushy. If you ever read his book on writing, Oh my gosh, this guy will just uh, give you the business if you're not writing every second. But anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and you know, he had this short story and I'm sure this is where it came from. Cause I've read this all the time, but he had this short story about um, a guy trying to quitters anonymous. I think it was, and about a guy trying to quit smoking. And basically he went to the mafia and uh, you know, they did things like threaten his wife and break his fingers. If he was willing, if, you know, if he tried to smoke. And so for me, I thought, um, you know, I, I think that probably ran around in my head and, but I always think a little more supernatural. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I love twilight zone, right. I love that show. And, you know, there's always some little, um, some little shop, right. That, that some, some guy, mysterious guy is trying to do something. And so, uh, I like the idea of this where he says, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the money. I, I don't lend money. I'll give you the money, but you got to give me something, you know, something small, uh, give me, uh, give me your habit, you know, and take the, the and it doesn't really say, uh, you know, Hey, if you keep smoking, uh, I'm going to trade for something else. Right. And, and the kid doesn't think about it. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll throw it out. I'm not going to give the spoiler on the ending, but you know, every time he has that cigarette, he loses a, another year. Um, so uh, it's um, I, I think that's part of it. Right. I think sometimes it comes from stuff. If you read a whole lot and if you write, you probably read a whole lot. Um, you everybody gets stuck in their genres. And I think a lot of the stuff that you read inspires, right? A, a lot of the same stories get a perfect example is I do um, 
take on a monkey's paw. My mom used to read this story to me when I was a kid, scared the crap out of me. And it still does the whole idea of it. And if you, if you haven't, uh, anybody out there hasn't hasn't read it? Uh, absolutely, you you need to go find a, a copy of this story. It's everywhere, and and I'm sure everybody's heard about it. You know, this monkey's paw that you make wishes on, and it turns out pretty bad. Wishes don't ever wishes don't. Why does anybody keep wishing? Right? They never turn out good. <laughs> they never work out. You think just once people go, oh no, you don't. <laughs> I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna turn me into a cow. Um, so anyway. Um, uh, and, and so I took that, that story, you know, I used to think about it constantly. So I took that story and, uh, and rewrote it, you know, by stealing one of the wishes and, uh, then not allowing the, you know, what would have been the ending of the original story and everything kind of works out. doesn't work out in my story. And, and, uh, you know, I, I do another one on Pandora's box, right. Where I modernize that and kind of. Right. So I think it's just the stuff around me. And then sometimes it's just, again, just things I see that make me, you know, make me just give me thoughts and file them away. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Right. I think the reason why I like your writing so much is because of the fact that I am a Stephen King fan. And Mm -hmm. so I can definitely tell the levels of, you know what I'm saying? I just love the way you tell the story and everything. It's simplistic. Yeah. It's easy to get to. You get to the meat and bone of it. You don't have to, it's not an over uh, exaggeration with words or anything like that. You describe everything perfectly and things like that. And that's actually perfect for someone like me because it takes me a while with my comprehension to actually picture certain right. things. And this, I can actually picture just about everything that was in your stories and everything. So yeah. that's a big yeah. plus for my side. Um, you know, another thing that I actually wanted to ask you too was, what are your favorite literal uh, literary uh, journals? Um, Amazing Spider-Man's pretty good. Did you catch that one? Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> that one's good. A uh, whole lot of more. You know, man, I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, by journals, you mean just basically like. Uh, yeah, like what catches your Fiction eye? Fiction or kind of stuff that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, for me, it's it's um, it's finding. I like like uh, used to be little pulp novels, right? Um, short stories. Um, uh, horror is certainly a, a big one for me. Um, humor, if it's done right, I love mystery. Fletch was another. If you guys have ever. I probably saw the movie, but the, the, the book series is like a 10, 11, 12 book series, right? And it's a fantastic character, uh, the way he develops. And, um, you know, it was a mystery, but, but Gregory McDonald managed to put a lot of humor into it. So I'm big in that. I like genres that mix, right? And I like when people take, uh, you know, something real world or something that's familiar and kind of change it, you know, and make it into their own world. My world for Sam is, you know, demons and angels, but you know, the, none of them act the way you would think they would, right? Angels aren't great people. And some of the demons are better than the angels. Right. And, and, um, and they, they just, I have, I, I actually, if if you go through my stuff, I I do uh, deal in Christianity a lot. Right. Um, I just like uh, uh, twisting that kind of stuff around. Right. They're such great, I don't want to offend anybody, but in my head, uh, awesome parables, awesome stories, awesome myths. Um, and, uh, I just, uh, I like changing it to the way I want to be. Unfortunately, some people find it funny and some people find it extremely offensive. What are you going to do? Right. But that's the kind of stuff I like. I like when, uh, um, you know, you take a world war two novel. There's a great one. I can't think of the wolf sour. I think it's called about, uh, an undercover agent in World War II who's also a werewolf, right? It's great, great stuff. Okay. Well, that's pretty much everything that I had wanted to ask you and things like that. Now, to anyone that's actually watching us right now, I'm going to give you at least five minutes. If you guys want to, go on ahead, pull it, put in some questions uh, that you want to ask, ask Christopher and stuff like that. If you're a passionate about writing or anything like that, now is your time to go ahead. The floor is yours. If not, I'm going to go on ahead and close us out and everything. 
But I just want to say thank you, Christopher, too, for actually being on the show, taking your time out and talking about uh, your writing and things like that. I do want to have you back on the show again in the future, things like that, because I actually do a lot of horror movie reviews during the Halloween um, Mm -hmm. Halloween time, as well as even whenever it's not Halloween time and everything, Mm -hmm. too. So I would like to actually have you back again. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And uh, could I take a quick moment and throw a plug or two out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, your plug yeah, in. so, yeah, I just want to say if, um, you know, if anyone's interested in reading my stuff, um, uh, just search for my name on, on Amazon. It's probably the easiest way to, to do it, and it'll bring up all my books, uh, audio books that are out there. And uh, You can also look up the soundtrack. My, my website is uh, minorjoystudios.com. Uh, and you can kind of see a lot of my stuff there and get updates and things on. Sometimes I throw out free stories out there. And um, that one story you're talking about, Smoke, that actually started as kind of a, a freebie that I, I used to give away. So uh, that's it, man. Go to my website or uh, friend me on Facebook or hit me up on Twitter and ask me whatever. Or even if you just want some tips on, on you know, the process of writing or how to uh, – uh, how to have, you know, maybe you're stuck on some formatting or something. I'm always happy to love to help other writers on that stuff. So, All right. That's my plug. That's my plug. That's <laughs> okay. it. All right. So here's the thing, guys, if you guys want to, you guys don't have to understand the pandemic has actually put some holes in people's pockets, but if you guys want to go on ahead, donate to the channel. How do you do that? Just go in and click the link below at www.gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers unite. Donate. That actually just helps us to keep the lights on at Movie Lovers Unite. Another thing, too, guys, is we want to go for all your entertainment needs and wants. And for some movie news reviews or TV news or TV reviews, go on ahead and go to www.movieloversunite.com. Also, too, follow us on Facebook at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. Or follow us on, on Instagram as well at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. Then, of course, we also want Speaker Now. So that's actually our new podcasting thing for audio only. We also do live shows over there. This is more like a little bit of relaxation, a little bit of a laid back show. So check us out over there at Movie Lovers Unit. And then, of course, you can follow me at on Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. And then you can also follow me at Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter. And then you can also follow me at John DeGorio 8 on Twitter as well. And, of course, guys, go on ahead and do me this one big favor, guys. Go on ahead give me that like button, smash that share button. Also, too, rate us on Apple Mute Podcasts and everything. It actually helps us with our ratings and everything else. I would greatly appreciate it. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. I can't wait to do this again tomorrow night. It's actually going to be a double header. I'm going to be interviewing a independent actor tomorrow night. And then Tamika and I will be reviewing WandaVision. This is going to be for the new episode. This is a spoiler open discussion. So go on ahead. Check that out tomorrow night. And I can't wait to be back on here with you guys. Always until next time. Bye-bye. Cheers. Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have... All Access Documentary Series Review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, Early Access to Episodes, Monthly Newsletters, Free Digital Movies, Shoutouts on the Main Feed as well. And then that also includes our classic uh, movie reviews as well. And then our $20 a month plan is our VIP Movie Lover. And that also includes bonus episodes, classic movie reviews, interviews with independent actors, actresses, directors, and comic book writers, and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, and shoutouts on the main feed as well. Go ahead, subscribe to the Patreon. We hope that we'll see you there, and always until next time, guys, bye-bye. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.